everybody, and welcome to the Train Like a Trooper podcast. Um, today, we're talking about summer impaired driving. We've got the Memorial Day weekend um, coming up here, and the whole summer stretching ahead of us. And you know, this is a major issue for our state. So, Trooper BJ Keeling is. Um, a drug recognition expert for the Highway Patrol here in our state, and um, he's going to talk to us a little bit about you know what what the summertime looks as far as impaired driving, and what we want people to know. Thanks for joining us, Trooper Keeling. Thanks, thanks. So, what do people need to know? We, we, like I said, we've got Memorial Day weekend coming up. Is this kind of when things start start to ramp up for you, or I mean, I'm sure it's year round. Yeah, with with me especially, I'm the I'm of course I'm assigned to the Highway Safety Office as an impaired driver liaison, and I've got basically everything south southeast to the corner of the state. So I pick up Broken Bow Lake, I pick up Lake Texoma, a couple of the rivers around the area, and things like that. And Memorial Day is kind of the hey we've made it past the winter months. Hey, let's the lake's kind of either starting with fishing or we can go kayaking, whatever. A lot of the a lot of the Texas traffic will start to come up to the lakes and stuff and start to explore and get their stuff ready for the summer and get those first initial couple camps out of the way and things like that. So Memorial Day is kind of the opening season, I guess you could say, on having a good time during the summer. And then you know we're progressing to Fourth of July and things like that. So that's the the beginning of the year, I guess you should say. We've made it through winter. We've kind of start taking off work. Let's go have some fun for the the, the pretty weather. What did last year look like in the summertime? Because we had a lot more people going to the lakes and stuff, right? Because they weren't really traveling. Yeah, with all the with all the COVID nineteen restrictions and things like that. I mean, man, the lakes, the campsites. You couldn't get in a campsite where I was at. I mean, if you tried to go camping, you were just not. You had to book it out months in advance. I know. Uh, had some friends go camping. They're like, man, we had to book ours back in like February. You know, when the whole COVID thing started, they're like, we're going February, March. We were booking our campsites for Memorial Day and for the Fourth. You know, um, and especially. With uh, depending on the states, you know, in the southeast, we've got a couple states surrounding that corner down there, and where Broken Bow Lakes at is always a big touristy spot anyway. And some of those other states were really shutting down, and people were trying to escape from there, and they were going to the Broken Bow Lakes, and of course the Lake Texoma. So yeah, last year was really busy as far as uh, the campsites being busy and people out on the lake and stuff like that. And I mentioned that the you know couple of months, everybody's shut down. You know, nobody's working, so they're like, well, let's go open up to the wilderness, go camping, go go hiking, whatever. So it was, it was pretty busy last year. And I know, obviously you don't work, you don't work the lakes, but we're talking about impaired driving, getting to and from the Mm -hmm. lake or after you've been there. I mean, a lot of people associate going to the lake with having a few drinks. I mean, it it can happen. It's kind of what, you know, and so I'm sure that's a major concern for you guys, especially down in that part of the state. Yeah. And we, we have a lot of lake traffic down there. Like I said, with Lake Takes Homa, Broken Bow Lake. And we just ask that people get, get back to the, you know, they go out on the lake, you know, and they have a couple of drinks out of the lake, whatever, or go on the campsite. Just, if you're going to be at your campsite drinking, stay put, you know, try not to try to get everything set before you start that drinking period where you can stay there at your, at your campsite and have a good time at your campsite, but don't go traveling anywhere. Cause you know, we all have families out on the roadways that we want them to be safe and you to be safe as well when you're, when you're doing it. So, and then with the boating and stuff, you know, um, people take their boats out and they'll, they may have a couple of drinks on the boat. Our recommendation is have one person that's not going to drink. You know, you, if you're going to be out there for a week, designate one person that he doesn't drink at that time and let them be responsible for getting everybody back home, you know, and then take turns the next day, you know, be responsible with it, you know, so if you're going to be doing those things. Are there certain areas that you guys really do kind of watch in the summertime? Like, you know, I'm okay, this is, this is the road into the lake. This is a road people will be, you know, leaving and, the lake and, you know, and, and I've been in southeastern Oklahoma for uh, 15, 16 years now in law enforcement as, as a trooper and, you know, Highway 70 and it goes through several counties down there and, it leads to a lake. It leads to Lake Texoma. It's one of the main lake, the main roads to get into Lake Texoma, and that is always one of our main highways that we work. 
And it doesn't matter that years after years, it's like people still haven't got the hint. Hey, you shouldn't be impaired coming in from the lake because you're probably going to get stopped, you know, or somebody's going to call you in. You know, it's a, it's a pretty common thing down there. And, and obviously impaired driving is dangerous no matter what. But then we, you've got people hauling campers, hauling boats. I'm sure that makes it even more dangerous. Yeah, campers, boats, or a camper and a boat together. I've seen that one where they put a boat on the back of the camper that they're hauling. You're like, this thing's you know, 50 foot long. Are you, <laughs> then you want to drink a couple of drinks again and try to drive it around and expect not to hit anything? You know, so. But, yeah, I mean, the the campers and the boats and stuff, and it's already dangerous as it is because Highway, Highway 70 is one of the da- more dangerous roads and stuff. So has some hills in it, a lot of people entering and exiting and stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it can cause a problem when it comes to being impaired and trying to drive, drive your way back home. And we talk about, like, safety on the lakes a lot during the summertime and really focus on that. So it is important to talk about the safety getting to and from the lake also. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know if anybody's been to, to Broken Bow or on Highway 259 down in southeast Oklahoma in a while, but uh, Hochitown is, is north, of, north of Broken Bow a little ways, and it is a huge tourist spot. And it's really developing. There's a bunch of wineries over there now. There's a bunch of distilleries over there now. And it's really blowing up. And it's one of our, our large problem areas. And it is a literally a two-lane roadway with no shoulders to get to and from it. And if you go over there on a Friday or Saturday night, it, it is traffic backed up from the the 10-mile span from it is from Broken Bow to, to Hochtown. It's backed up all the way, you know, bumper-to-bumper traffic. And then when you get those families out there going and, and constantly crossing the streets, trying to get find their cabins and people are lost, you know, it's – it can cause a problem when it comes to public safety as far as getting to and from. And that's what's happening in the summertime. I mean, you got uh, families traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's really the issue is you've got, you know, your traffic is is moving and is uh, and people are out later. The kids are out of school. So people are just they're out with their families. And that's where we're seeing a lot of, you know, we see a lot of fatality crashes due to intoxication with families involved, you know, in the summertime. Yeah, and not just fatality crashes, just crashes in general go right. up during that time just because of the people being out of school and the families families traveling and everything else. So, but like I say, especially with those two areas because those two are bigger populated areas, um, you know, until you get down to the, the hunting areas and stuff like that later on in the year. But but during the late time travel and, and things, summertime, is it really starts influxing down there about that time. So you see a really big increase in traffic in oh, that absolutely, area. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And of course we also have the casinos down there, which the, from the casino, the Choctaw casino over to, to Lake Texoma is not a very far drive. It's about 10 miles, you know, so people will stay there and then go out to a day drive out to the lake and stuff. Uh, motorcycle riders really, really start developing there. They get out and they get out and about with the weather when it's nice and they start going around the parks and things like that and making pit stops at bars and then getting back on the highway and, those are things we just ask people to do it safely. You know, if they're going to do it, go out, you know, get your designated driver. You know, like I talked about earlier, use your cell phone. You know, you have, there's no reason anymore to not be able to get a ride back safe. You know, make, make a phone call, get, get to where you're going safely and stay there. When I said earlier, Uber, that's mainly more in the metropolitan areas. Has it even made its way down there, the rideshare services? No, not really. Uh, it's kind of hard to get cell phone service in the, you know, just south of Hochitown there. We have no no cell phone service to get an Uber to come pick you up. But uh, but you can you can get you can get ways to get around. I mean, you can. And most of those cabins and stuff, you know, there's I think there's a couple of cabins down there now. And there's a couple of the bars and stuff that are doing bus shuttle services you know, to get you to your cabins, especially around Broken Bow. There's a couple of places there that they'll do a shuttle service to where when they close at two o'clock, there's a bus out there. Hey, which cabin are you going to? And then, then they'll shuttle the people around or you can call and get a shuttle service to take you back. So there's a couple of places that are starting to do some good ideas like that to help help us and law enforcement help keep the public safe by getting shuttles to and from. 
And the casino, the casino does that, and there's a couple other places there around town that's starting to do shuttle services and things. And you guys are out there. I mean, and, you know, some people might be like, oh, you know, they might be scared when they see you on the roadway or, or something like that. But you're out there keeping people safe. You're you're, you're keeping families safe. You're keeping a tragedy from happening. Is really yeah, that, that's the goal. That's, that's our main goal is to to make sure the citizens of Oklahoma, the people traveling to Oklahoma, are safe. You know, make sure they're not they don't come up here and get injured or they they find their way. I couldn't tell you how many times I'll be at a gas station or something, you know, in Hocha Town, and you know, usually almost every time I'm there, somebody will come up and they, you know, they're from Dallas or they're from from somewhere in Louisiana or they're some from somewhere from Arkansas, and they have no idea where they're at. They're like, hey, can you help me find this cabin? I'm like, I can get you to the road, but the exact cabin, I can't get you there. Yeah. I said, but I can kind of tell you the region you need to go to, or, or I can help you find that find that way. And there's been a couple of times I've dro- driven in front of people trying to get them to where the cabin they're going because, they, you know, if, if you're not from rural Oklahoma and then you travel into rural Oklahoma, it's kind of a <laughs> shocker. You're like, oh, wait a minute. What is going on here? <laughs> you know, it's like you turn by Uncle Willie's big tree up there on the left or, you know, Uncle Ned's tree or the turn by the big red gate and turn right. And you're there on that road because there's no road signs. Uh-huh. You know, so it's kind of kind of interesting. So what are the typical things that you see in the summertime? Like I said, I'm sure you see it year round. But but what are the things that you see more in the summertime as, as lake season kind of picks up? Most of the influx of traffic, you know, and and of course, I mean, when you get when you get the lake season, you I guess it's if you've ever been out on the lake, it's kind of one of those. What don't you see? You kind of see of all kinds of things. You'll see a John boat with a big motor on the back of it, and there's no te- there's just really no telling what you're going to see, especially in southeastern Oklahoma. And then when you throw in there that it's lake season, and you throw in alcohol or or you know some type of impairment, you know, there's no telling what you're going to see. Yeah, I know that I I see when I stop cars and the summertime gets there, I see more minors with alcohol. I see that so much more in in cars because they're all out of school, they're all together, and uh, you know they're traveling around doing that. I see that a lot. Yeah, and you know especially when you're from down there and you know these lakes well, you'll always see when school's out, the kids flock to the lake. And you know, and then, and I really can't say Adam when I was that age, I didn't blame them either. That was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go out and bell hay or you know work i'd rather go out the lake and swim all day you know something like that so um the 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 kids or the you know the high school kids the college kids age is always an influx at that time or people you know like i said people coming back home from traveling you know the people that are from there that they go off to school they come back and it's a large influx there as well so if you're if if you're going out to the lake and you're you're out there for like an extended period of time, maybe you're sunburned, you're a little bit dehydrated, you've been drinking. Can can alcohol and other you know drugs affect you differently in situations like that? Um, yes and no. I mean, you're still gonna you know, for instance, alcohol uses water, so if you're dehydrated, you may feel the effects a little bit quicker, or you may not be you know you may feel the effects of being dehydrated. You know, I mean, heat stroke's always an issue, especially you know, and everybody's been around a humid Oklahoma summer. You know, it's really hot. The sun's bearing down on you. It's, you know, sometimes be 100 degrees outside. And it's always stay hydrated, you know, when you're going out on the lake and stuff. And that's why I tell people, if they're going out, you know, take your sunscreen with you, stay hydrated. And obviously, leave one person that's not drinking. And I, and I don't even mean just not one or two. Just leave one person that that is his only job for the day is, hey, just don't drink for the day. You know, let somebody else take it that day or whatever. And, and get everybody home safe. Do you spend a lot of time, um, I don't know, maybe leading up to the summer months, um, you know, talking to that school age kids about safety and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I try to do, and that's part of the my job on the highway safety office, I do a bunch of the public education stuff. And I and I try to go around and get my driver's edge age kids or, you know, like we've got um, 
some things coming up here that will be for driver's age kids and teaching them not only just drinking and driving, but riding in a car with an impaired driver. We've got texting and driving. We've got, you know, just inattention to driving in general. You know, there's all kinds of things that a lot of the kids nowadays don't get really exposed to and just think it's a normal part of day that you need to understand the consequences of doing. And so we do a lot of outreach programs on the highway safety office to try to get those people to understand that and get that knowledge out to them. What's the best way to hammer that home with, with kids, especially, you know, the, the new drivers? You know, with kids, it's kind of hard to do just because at that age, they know everything. You're wrong about everything. Yes. You know, and and I relate, to, yeah, I, I relate to, um, I've been in that area so long that I've worked a couple of bad crashes with kids they know. And I hate to say that, but usually those traumatic events that they're around is the best it, I, I, without putting it to say that's the best thing for them, but knowledge about how this happened to the, to the, to how this crash happened. Kind of relates it to them. Yeah, kind of yeah. relates it to, hey, you had a classmate not show up to class today because of this is what they were doing, you know, and getting that knowledge out to them in those ways that I think that really sticks home for them. Because, I mean, everybody, they don't want a tragedy. They don't want a loss. And we, we had one uh, where I'm from the other day, and I think four, four teenage kids, one of my, one of my friends, the police officer, his son lost his life. And, I went to high school with his mom, and they they lost four kids in one crash, and it was all because of an impaired driver. You know, the impaired driver came back, and uh, you know it's it's a tragedy, and it, it's shaking the town drastically. You know, you can go talk to those kids, and there there's some kids that are really hurt because of it. You know, and it's just things like that, and that's the things that we try to prevent on a daily basis as a trooper. We don't want those things happening, or we don't want to make that phone call, or you know, go up and make that knock on the door that says, "Hey, you know, this is what just happened." You know. So those are the hardest parts of our jobs, obviously. But Is there a particular crash that you've worked, like in the summertime, maybe somebody going you know, to or from the lake that kind of sticks in your mind? I hate to say that because there's so many of them. You know, yeah. with, with the career that we have, you work so many crashes day in and day out. It's just you're like, yeah, I've got tons. I don't have enough time to sit here, I guess, talk about all of them because, yeah. you know, I've got so many of them that stick out in your mind. I know with me, the worst, the worst crash I ever worked was on 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just two little kids and was intoxicated driver and, uh, you know, had to land helicopters and all that. That was the worst crash I ever worked. And so I, every time I think of 4th of July, you know, beyond Memorial day, it kind of starts that whole season. But I, every time I think of that season, I think of, you know, that crash. Now it's time for the highway safety update brought to you by the Oklahoma highway safety office. We all know drunk driving is bad. Over the last three years, alcohol-related crashes killed nearly 500 people in Oklahoma, and many of those people were innocent bystanders. Sounds bad, right? But did you know that there were more drug-related than alcohol-related crash fatalities in Oklahoma over those same three years? More than 650 people were killed in drug-related crashes between 2017 and 2019. Even though medical marijuana is legal in Oklahoma, it's still illegal to drive under the influence of any drug, legal or otherwise. Marijuana can affect a driver's overall decision-making process. It also slows reaction times, impairs distance perception, and reduces overall coordination. These are all critical skills needed to drive safely. Both prescription drugs and illicit drugs can cause impairment. When taking a new medication, know how it will affect your ability to drive safely before you hit the road. Let's end DUI. Drive safe, Oklahoma. You know, a lot of people, when they're going to the lake, they're like, well, you know, I'm just going to have, I'm just going to have a few drinks on the lake or whatever. And, you know, you being a DRE, 
sometimes people might think, oh, that you can't tell. You can't tell that I've had a few drinks, you know, and I mean, I'm sure you guys can tell. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of things that, you know, if you, there's a lot. Like I said we we're talking about research papers and stuff earlier. I mean, I think since the the late 70s, the medical the American Medical Association has recognized that they start seeing levels of impairment at, at a point zero five. You know, and there's some states across the nation that, that they've kind of started basing their information off of that to where they set their level of impairment at 0.05, which is, is not a very, you know, in Oklahoma, that's not a that's not a violation. You know, 0.05 is not unless they're obviously impaired, you know. So there's there's some things that, you know, there's you can see signs of impairment. You know, you can. And uh, let's say that necessarily mean you're going to be arrested for those or but unless we can have the articulation with it, you're probably not. But that's where I say with the, there's a lot of a lot of things that go into that, I guess. And you talk about like the education aspect of it, um, obviously getting arrested or being involved in a, in a crash that's really bad can be a deterrent. But you want to deter it even before that with the education, before it even gets you know, to that and, point. And, and education is one deterrent. And there, there's also the punishment is the deterrent. That's, you know, that's just what basic law enforcement punishment is going to be one of the deterrents of the, the cost and the fines that come along with it. But you're, you're absolutely right. We want to get that deterrent out there before we get to that point. Because we'd like to stop it before that person gets arrested, before that person makes that choice to have to, you know, get arrested and gets taken to jail. And that, now that's on the record and everything else, especially for these young kids, you know. Um, I would much rather get the knowledge out in a classroom portion and to get them to not go down that path before I have to meet them on the side of the road and put them in handcuffs. You know, I'd much rather have the the education purposes versus the, the put them in handcuffs. I know we do we do checkpoints at certain times, you know, throughout the year in different places. Does that increase necessarily in the summertime? Are there are there checkpoints around lake areas? Uh, yeah, with the highway safety office, we do we do impaired driving checkpoints. You know, we do DUI checkpoints. There's some there's some things that go with case law that we have to follow when we do those. But there, I want to also people understand that there is a difference in a DUI checkpoint and just safe, vehicle safety check. There's different laws on it. There's different case law on it. There's different things we have to follow and things like that. So there's two different things that we do. And anytime the weather starts getting nice, you randomly you'll probably see troopers doing a vehicle safety inspection or a vehicle safety checkpoint. And that's where we're going out and make sure people have a driver's license, make sure they have insurance, make sure the vehicle's in good working order, things like that. And there's some rules we have to follow that. But there's more strict rules we have to do to just do a DUI checkpoint. And, and we do those on the Highway Safety Office. We set those up throughout the state. I mean, as far as the IDLs, the impaired driver liaisons like me, we've got several of those across the state. There's five of us, and each one of us have a region that we go off of. And we do them at different locations, but we also get other agencies to assist us with that. And that's part of our job with the Highway Safety Office is I get other agencies to work with, with me and the Highway Patrol to set on these big events to do a, a big checkpoint or something of that nature, you know, um, you know, we have road signs set up, designing where we where we're doing it at. You know, we actually have to do a media release saying when we're going to do them. You know, and we'll we'll kind of give those heads up, and then then we do those. And they, and they really, you know, in, in your major populated areas, they do. You know, we do catch a lot of impaired drivers out of that. You know, and it kind of sounds funny that you've got these big signs that says DUI checkpoint ahead, <laughs> and here comes the the people that are impaired. That's a that's the first clue right there. Hey, you weren't impaired. Well, you passed a sign that said DUI checkpoint ahead. And you're, you're, you're using, you're intoxicated when you pulled up here. So, but we do those throughout the state, uh, especially around our lake areas or river areas and things like that during the summertime, just because for, for the troopers and law enforcement working, when it's nice inside, we like to be outside just like everybody else does. You know, we just have to do it in a different aspect of working and working aspect we also do a, uh, we do saturation patrols as well with the highway safety office to where I'll get together with several other law enforcement agencies. And, and really, if we have a bunch of fatality crashes or a bunch of DUI problems in that area, then we'll go and emphasize because in your rural lying areas and some of your metro areas, you may not have a large amount of officers to work that area because we are shorthanded in Oklahoma. 
So I'll get together numerous officers to where we can actually put some put some effort and put more more officers in that area where we've had the problems at. What typically happens at a checkpoint? Is everybody that passes through going to get a field sobriety test? No, not at all. I mean, you know, it depends on how the checkpoint's set up. Really doesn't. And that's all deciding factors we've got to put in a pre-op plan before we do one. Um, we'll go out there and, you know, set up a way that we're all the, where people can travel through safely. They'll have people guiding them in where we want to go and talk to them. And it's madly, hey, you know, see driver license insurance, where are you headed to? Have a good day. See you later. And if the officer sees an indicator or some type of impairment, you know, then, you know, hey, I want you to pull right over to the side. Have them pull to the side to where other traffic can flow through freely and, you know, let people continue on their, about their day. But we're usually pulling people over that are that are showing us some type of sign or indicators that they may be using or intox- intoxicated. So bottom line, I guess, for people, you know, this summer, we, we want them to enjoy our lakes. We want them to go have a good time. We just want them to do it. We don't want a day at the lake to turn into a tragedy. Correct. You know, I mean, because I said the troopers don't want a tragedy no more than, than the people out there that are involved in the tragedy. Because, you know, when, when you, we see a tragedy, we almost take it personal to where, hey, we, we weren't able to stop that. We weren't able to prevent that. Because that's what we're here for. That's what we signed on to do a job for, to prevent people, th- things like that, and people getting injured and hurt. Thank you for your time, Trooper Keeling. We appreciate it. Thanks.